0: Your Bible's open to Matthew chapter 11. Keep a marker there. We'll be back here in a moment. But turn over to Hebrews chapter number 7, if you would, please. Hebrews chapter number 7. And let's look in verse 22. We'll read just a few verses here. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. By the way, that's, this is a side note here. That's what Jesus is doing at this moment. He's ever making intercession for us. That is His ministry at the moment. Uh, That is what He is doing there in heaven as He is making intercession for us. And then it goes on, verse 26, "...for such a high priest became us." That's what Christmas is all about. When God became flesh and dwelt among us. "...for such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Then verse 27, I want you to see this. Who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. Don't you love that? This is a reference, of course, to the Old Testament priesthood and how they would have to make a sacrifice for themselves because they themselves were sinners and needed their sins covered. And then they would do so for the people. Jesus didn't need to do that for himself because he was sinless. He was blemished. He had no blemish. He was a lamb without spot and without blemish. And then he offered up himself to pay for our sins, to offer us forgiveness of all of our sins. Aren't you glad for that particular aspect of salvation? That all of our sins are forgiven, the past, the present, and praise the Lord for the future sins that we'll commit tomorrow, or three years from now. God has forgiven it all. It's all under the blood. So salvation includes this wonderful aspect of forgiveness of sins. It also uh, gives us... Secondly, eternal life. It also offers us eternal life. Revelation twenty two and verse seventeen is another uh, one of those invitations of the Lord, but it deals with this matter of salvation and the aspect of eternal life. Revelation twenty two, seventeen. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Water of life freely. God is offering us... Now we're all going to live forever. We're all going to have eternal life whether we get saved or not. But the eternal life we're referring to is a home in a wonderful place called heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I mean, the, the physical aspects of heaven, we've discussed it a little bit, are wonderful, are beautiful... Uh, the Bible gives us a little bit of indication of how, uh, or at least what's there. The gate's made of one giant pearl. Um, that's an expensive pearl. Okay, I've tried to buy pearls for my wife, and uh, ooh, uh, <laughs> I cannot imagine how much a gate, a, a, a pearl the size of a gate is, uh, but it's just a gate there in heaven. And uh, the crystal sea and the streets made of gold, so pure, they're transparent, mansions in heaven. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely beautiful place. But most importantly, the Lord is there, and that's what's going to make heaven so wonderful. Uh, certainly, those who've gone on before, I mean, your, your wife's nephew is, is there right now, and, and uh, getting to see him and, and, uh, and, and to talk with him again, I know, is going to be a blessing. Um, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. I'm looking forward to that day. So eternal life is another aspect that God invites us to when it comes to salvation. Also, thirdly, uh, back in uh, Matthew 11, if you have your finger there, you can move back to Matthew chapter 11. And the third aspect of, this, uh, of salvation here is rest, is rest. Matthew 11:28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest under your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Albert Barnes said regarding this particular part of the invitation, he said the Savior here perhaps refers primarily to the Jews because the book of Matthew was written to Jews in particular, um, showing that, that Jesus is... Uh, is the King of Kings. Now, he's primarily referring, or prim, refers primarily to the Jews who groaned under the weight of their ceremonial laws and the tradition of the elders. And he tells them by coming to him, embracing the new system of religion, they would be freed from these burdensome rites and ceremonies. There can be no doubt, however, that he meant here chiefly to address the poor, the lost, the ruined sinner, which is you and I. The man burdened with the consciousness of his transgressions, trembling at his danger and seeking deliverance. For such there is relief. Christ tells them to come to him, to believe in him, and to trust him and him only for salvation. Doing this, he will give them rest. Rest from their sins. Rest from the alarms of conscience. Rest from the terrors of the law and rest from the fears of eternal death. God here is offering us rest and relief from the bondage and the burden of sin that so many of us carried all those years before we came to Christ. He's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is a great burden rolled away the day that we accepted Christ as our Savior. The day we believed on Him was a day that, I mean, yes, we we mentioned this morning that uh, becoming a Christian is not a, a life of ease, but it is a life of rest. At the same time, because we can rest in Him. Now, like with any invitation, if I were to invite you to my house uh, for a party next Tuesday, you have a choice to make: Will I accept the invitation? Or will I respectfully decline the invitation? When it comes to this invitation of salvation, all of us have that choice to accept or decline the invitation of salvation. If you're here and you've never accepted it, what are you going to do? Are you going to postpone it another day? Are you going to say, well, I'll I'll wait and see, Uh, how every, you know, I'm I'm just going to kind of postpone it. I don't really want to make that decision right now. Can I just remind you that the Bible tells us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. All of us know people who woke up one morning thinking they were going to go to work and life was going to continue as normal, and then all of a sudden something happened and their life radically changed or even ended. Look, you and I, didn't choose the day we were born, and we're not going to choose the day we die. That's for God to choose. Nobody knows that day. I don't think it's today, but none of us have a guarantee that it won't be. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never accepted God's invitation to be saved, to consider doing that today. Paul told the church at uh, Corinth... He said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not someday in the future, but today. God doesn't deal in the future as far as when it comes to salvation. He, he, he says, Let's do that now. It's a, it's a present decision. So, with any invitation, you have to make a choice. And with this invitation, you're invited to be saved. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to choose to accept this invitation by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, by believing on Him alone for salvation? What will your choice be? Well, that's not the only invitation we see in God's Word. We see, secondly, the invitation here that we're invited to seek God for help, to seek for help. We're invited to seek for help. Seek the Lord first. Um, we're told when we go through difficult times, where do we go for help? Well, God is inviting us to come to Him. First of all, we need to come to God first. Come to God first. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me, God is inviting us, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So when you go through a trial or need answers in life, where do you go first? Do you go to your friends? Or what if we just kind of fret about it and worry about it for a while? Maybe that's a good option. Obviously, that's preposterous, but you know what? We do that, don't we? And I say we because I include myself in that. And God invites us to call unto Him and He's going to answer us and show us great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Great invitation to come to Him first. Unfortunately, all too often, prayer is our last resort. But God invites you to come to Him first. I read a story about someone who attended church in Kentucky. And they watched an especially verbal and Loud child being hurried out, slung under his irate father's arm. He was acting up in church, and his father grabbed him and put him under his arm and walked out. No one in the congregation so much as raised an eyebrow until the child captured everyone's attention by crying out in a charming southern accent, Y'all pray for me now! (laughs) As he was being taken out of the church building. You see, this young man understood the importance of seeking God first when he was going through a difficult time. And so he invited others to pray for him. Look, it was Jesus who said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Again, seek him first, come to God first. Make prayer your first resort, not your last. John Bunyan said this, He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find Him the rest of the day. And I have found that to be true in my own life. When I don't seek Him first in the morning, then I'm going to have a difficult time finding Him the rest of the day. Oh, He's still there if I want to, but the hustle and bustle of life gets to be where we don't seek Him. So we need to come to God first. We also are invited to come to God boldly. Come to God boldly. And of course, this is Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 16, where the writer of Hebrews says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To me, this is a very strange invitation especially when I consider who I am. Now, I don't know me like God knows me, but I know me, and I'm, I'm a sinful person. And God is inviting me to come into His presence, into the very throne room of God. But not only that, He invites me to come boldly. Like, I don't deserve to come at all, let alone boldly. And yet, the Lord is inviting us to come boldly. Well, why is he inviting us to come boldly, and how can we come boldly? Well, that, that verse says, let us therefore come boldly. So whenever you see the word therefore, you always need to find out why it's therefore. <laughs> right? So you need to go back a couple of verses and, and find out what the therefore is there for. Okay? And so let's look back in a couple of verses of, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4 here. Verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And then verse 15 is is a special verse. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You see, because we have... A priest, uh, Jesus knows what it's like to go through difficult times, to be tempted like you and I are. And yet he's without sin. And as a result of that, God says, let us come boldly under the throne of grace. Pretty amazing invitation. We have access into the throne room of God. How much do we take advantage of that access? It's the greatest resource you have. It's more important and it's more valuable than your bank account, your retirement fund. It is access to the throne room of God. How much do you would take advantage of that? How much do you access that throne room? He's inviting you to come to Him first, and He's also inviting you to come to Him boldly when you're going through difficult times. And folks, can I just say this? It's not a matter of if we go through a difficult time, it's really a matter of when. Because we will all experience difficulties. We'll all experience times where we need to obtain mercy and to find grace and help uh, uh, to help in time of need. All of us are going to have those times of need in our lives. You may not be experiencing one right now. Praise the Lord for that. But tomorrow you might. And when you do, come to God boldly. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is and what he did for you. That's why we can come to him boldly. So we see the invitation here. You're invited to seek God for help. Again, the question is, what are you going to do with this invitation? Are you going to accept or are you going to respectfully decline? Now you can tell me, oh, I'm going to accept that, but time will tell. When you go through a difficult time, what you do and where you seek and where you turn when you're going through a time of need. God is inviting you to come to Him. And He's the one that can offer you the real help and the real answers that you need during those times. So don't seek anywhere else. I I appreciate that we have friends and, and those around us that can help us navigate through life and be a blessing and we're called to bear one another's burdens. I get all of that. But all the while, God, who is God, is inviting us to come. Let's go to Him first, and let's go to Him boldly. Number three, the third invitation I want to highlight tonight is the fact that you're invited to share the truth. You're invited to share the truth. You're invited to be saved. You're invited to seek God for help, and you're also invited to share the truth. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. In other words, we are invited to follow him and to invite others to follow him. So you could say we are invited to invite. We're invited to invite. I want to show you three examples of someone in the Bible inviting someone else to come to know Jesus and to know the truth. Turn your Bibles if you would to John chapter 1. There's the first two here in this uh, passage of scripture, John chapter number 1. We are invited to invite. John chapter 1 verse number 39. Uh, Let me back up here. I want to read this whole chapter, but I'm not going to. Let's back up to verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Well, and the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, Where? Where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. That's another great invitation here. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Well, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which being interpreted... Or which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by an interpretation, a stone. So here we see the first person here to invite someone else was Andrew. Andrew invited his brother, Peter. And uh, all of us know the story of Peter and and, uh, and how he would a lot of times insert foot and, and, uh, and he, he, he said things that maybe no one else was willing to say. I, and I'm glad that he said some of those things. And Peter went on to go preach on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. And 3,000 people were saved and baptized. And Peter went on to write two books of the Word of God, First and Second Peter. Peter was greatly used of the Lord, but it all started right here with Andrew inviting his brother to come to know Jesus, to meet Jesus. Do you have a family member that needs an invitation to come know the Lord? Andrew was burdened for his brother, and as a result, he found a pretty good fish. Simon became mightily used of the Lord. Oh, he had some ups and downs, we all know that. But ultimately, he was a great trophy of grace and a wonderful weapon in the hand of God for the kingdom's sake. So we see Andrew was an example of being invited to invite, and he did so, and the rest is history. Uh, Let's keep reading here, the second example is Philip, letter B is Philip, but Let's keep reading here, verse 43. The the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And then here it is, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Uh, an invitation to his friend, Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Well, Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw the end of the fig tree. Believest thou? Ah, man, they're going to see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So here Philip found his friend Nathanael brought him to Jesus. And the rest is history. Nathanael was gloriously saved. He had, a fr- he had a burden for his friend. Nathaniel came to know the Lord as his Savior. Do you have a friend that needs to know the Lord as their Savior? I dare say probably all of us do. All of us have somebody in our sphere of influence that needs the Lord. And Philip had a burden for his friend, Nathaniel, and brought him to Jesus. I think, thirdly, about a man by the name of Cornelius in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, if you want to. Flip over there if you would. Acts chapter 10, I want you to see what this man did. Cornelius, and this this is a pretty amazing story in the Bible. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1. says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Here was a good, religious man who was lost. Yes, he was a good man. He was devout. He was one that feared God, but he did not know the Lord Jesus as his Savior. Well, the story goes on, and uh, Peter's going to come talk to him. Peter, the one that Andrew brought to Jesus. So Peter was going to come to Cornelius' house and explain the gospel to him, explain that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And look in verse number 24. Acts chapter 10, verse 24. And the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and here it is, and had called together his kinmen, kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. Don't worship me, I'm nobody special. I'm just a man who's been saved by the grace of God. That's all I am. Well, verse 27, as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one? unto one of uh, another nation, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And it goes on down, and um, I I have all the way, I'm supposed to read all the way to the end of this chapter. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and do that. Um, Let me see if I can pick out what what I'm looking for here. Okay, pick it up in verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So there was a whole host of people here that Cornelius had called together. So he called his kinsmen, his family members, and, uh, and, uh, their, and his friends, um, in verse number 24, and near friends. And then verse 45, They of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So the point here is that Cornelius got a whole group of people to come, hear the man of God preach the word of God. and Many of them got saved that day. Many of them became Christians because of what they heard. Now, Cornelius wasn't even saved, I don't think, even himself at that point. And Yet he had a burden for his relatives and his near friends to hear the most important message in all the world. Now, last week we met together to talk about the needs of the world for the gospel of Christ. We were encouraged to lift up our eyes and look on the fields, and we did so. We looked on the fields of Mexico and the fields of the Philippines and, and Indiana and Germany. And it was a great conference to think about what God is doing in each of those corners of the world. And not to forget what God's doing over there, but we also can't forget what God wants to do with us here in our Jerusalem. In our more Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma City, and wherever whatever city you live in. We can't neglect to reach this part of the world as well. And God wants us to have a burden for those around us, like Andrew did, like Philip did, like Cornelius did. And remember, we're invited to share the truth. We're invited to invite. Uh, turn over with me uh, quickly tonight. We're, we're almost done, but Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14. And verse number 15. And when one, Luke fourteen fifteen, and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto them, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, sent his servant at supper time to say unto them, that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. So another invitation was given and they all with one consent began to make excuse the first said unto him oh i've i've bought a piece of ground and i must needs go and see it i pray thee uh, have me excused and another said well i bought five yoke of oxen and i go to prove them I, I pray thee have me excused another said i have married a wife and therefore i cannot come she said no <laughs> Uh, verse number twenty-one. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the lord, uh, the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, "Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind." The servant said, "Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded." And yet there is room. The lord said unto the servant, "Go out into the highways and hedges." And compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. God wants us to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Now, all we can do is give the invitation. Again, it's up to them to decide what they do with the invitation. It's up to them if they accept it or respectfully decline. But God does want us to go out into the highways and hedges and compel people in our Jerusalem to come to the house of the Lord. Now, ultimately, uh, this is a spiritual application here. God is inviting or telling us to invite them to come, ultimately, that his house in heaven would be filled. Not necessarily the church house, but we can certainly make application to that as well. Um, Next week, we have an amazing opportunity. Because of Easter. A lot of people are going to go to church on Easter that would not normally go to church. Now, they're going to go somewhere, probably. Um, I know that what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday is going to be a clear gospel message. They're going to understand what it means to be saved, they're going to have an opportunity to believe on Christ alone for salvation. Uh, there's other churches that I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Now, there's probably going to be a lot in our area that that is going to be the case, but I know for sure that this one will be a place that they can come and hear a clear presentation of the gospel. I want to encourage our people to go out and share the truth this week. I want to encourage us to accept this invitation to share the truth, to accept the invitation to invite others to come so I'd like to ask this question as we kind of close tonight who will be in church next Sunday because they received an invitation from you there was an individual here this morning some of you may have noticed him and uh, I am so thankful that the Lord brought him but you know what he told me today he said somebody came by my house a few months ago and I've been waiting but here I am you know, we don't know the invitations that we give out, the flyers that we place on cars, put on doors, knock on doors and invite people to come. We don't know what God's going to do with it. It's a seed that we're planting that one day will bring forth fruit. And I'm thankful that uh, this gentleman came, to, came today and, and uh, we're going to get together sometime this week and I'm looking forward to talking with him further. And if he's watching tonight, I'm looking forward to talking with you, brother. And I'm thankful you came today. But, a, but an illustration that God can use just an invitation to change somebody's life. Think of, think of the invitations that caused you to come to Christ. Now, maybe nobody invited you to church, but maybe your parents forced you to go like my parents did. My parents told me, hey, you're going to church, and if you're, in, if you're dressed in church clothes, great. If you're not, we're going to take you in your (laughs) jam-jams. Well, I never went with my jam-jams. I made sure I was ready in my church clothes. But who will be in church next Sunday because they received an invitation, not from me as the pastor, but from you? Because, look, there are people in your life that no one else can reach. Your neighbors are not my neighbors. Your coworkers are not my co-workers. They're yours for a reason. God puts you there as a light, as a witness. What are you going to do about it? This week, deliberately, intentionally invite people to come. You are the one that God wants to use to reach out to them. You may not be able to necessarily lead someone to the Lord completely, but you can give them an invitation to church. And when they come here, Lord willing, next week they'll hear a clear presentation of the gospel of Christ. So who can you invite this week? What co-worker? What co-worker can you invite this week? Maybe you've given them an invitation before, but here's another opportunity for another invitation. Maybe this is the one that God will use to bring them in. What co-worker could you invite this week? What neighbor could you invite this week? what friend at school could you invite this week to our easter services what worker around town what barista that you frequent or or drive through personnel that you frequent you know what person in the community do you know that maybe you have a little bit of a relationship with that you could give an invitation to this week what person can you invite this week? I want to encourage you just to think about that for a moment and ask God to bring some people to your mind that you could invite deliberately this week. I hope that you go and pass out flyers, but, but what's more effective is if you go, hey, co-worker, we're having special Easter services. Would love to have you come. Here's a, here's a little flyer. Um, hey, neighbor, Thanks for being a good neighbor. Allstate is there, or whatever. Whatever the commercial is. What is that? Allstate, is that what it is? Like a good neighbor, Allstate is there. Is that what it is? Stay farm. Okay. Wrong. Allstate is when mayhem comes or whatever, right? <laughs> okay, we're getting off track talking about insurance. Back to the invitations. What what person can God use You this week to invite. And this isn't just for me. And this isn't just for old people. Not that there are any old people in the room. This isn't just for young people though. This is for everybody. God wants to use us to reach out into our Jerusalem this week. Let's not postpone it. This is an opportunity that comes around once a year. Let's take advantage of it and use it for God's glory. So the invitations that God's given us, the invitation to be saved. You are invited to be saved. Isn't that a great invitation? You're invited to spend all of eternity in heaven and miss a horrible place called hell that we all deserve, by the way. You're invited to seek God for help when you're going through difficulties. Let's not reject that particular invitation. And then you're invited to share the truth. What a blessing it is to be used of the Lord to give out His message. Uh, we're not worthy to do that, but yet he has chosen to do so. He could, have, he could have chosen to make the clouds. And the clouds do make some pretty interesting formations here in Oklahoma, I've noticed. Um, but he could have formed the clouds to, you know, John 3.16. And everybody looks up and sees that, and that would be the witness for the Lord. He could have chosen to do that. He could have chosen trees, you know, to speak out. When you walk by, they would say, hey, you, buddy, need to be saved. Uh, And that would be creepy a little bit, but God could have chosen to do that, couldn't he? God could have chosen so many different means to get the gospel out, but he has chosen you and I to do it. What a privilege it is to be laborers together with him, Paul said to the church at Corinth. What a blessing. What are you going to do with that invitation? And I hope that you'll accept that invitation to share the truth this week with someone or many someones. And let's uh, be used of the Lord.